Broadcasting live on tape digitally in ones and zeros from just above the legendary Capitol Records building, it's the long shot, come hell or high water. Tonight's episode, James Marsden is a dreamboat and a baby boss. Please welcome Sean Conroy and Amber Kenny. Come on in, guys. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. And I'm a guy. So I'm here. Uh, hey, it's Sean. This is the Long Shot. It's a podcast. Hey, Sean. I'm Amber. And uh, we do a podcast together called The Long Shot. It is a podcast, and we are podcasting. Uh, glad you folks, people, everyone, individuals, humans, fellow beings are here folks people um, we have uh we have a lot to talk about today uh because we had for once we kind of picked a topic to discuss the following week and i think uh i think we're going to get into that in just a moment uh but we always you know we always like to sort of dilly dally around before we get into that and chit chat about nonsense so um I'll go. I'll, I'll I'll talk about a little bit of what I did this week, which is uh, I had an exciting week because I got to do uh, several things. Oh, cool. So what I did. <laughs> what if I thought that was your okay. second? Name? <laughs> I did several things. I don't understand this podcast. They're so unspecific. They just they say I did some things, and the other one goes, "Great, I did too," and then it was over. I'll see you next week. Yeah. Uh, no, my brother was in town with mm. his husband and my nephew, Malcolm. Uh, so that was exciting. Did they stay with you? No, uh, nor would I wish that on anyone. Um, <laughs> no, it wouldn't well, be except so. Except that, like, Ecuadorian model. What was their situation? <laughs> <laughs> my Brazilian supermodel roommate. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was different. Um, no, no, no. They, they, they came really to visit his mother, uh, who lives in South Korea, but was out here staying with friends when she, she's an actress. Um, you may remember that she won oh, the Academy yeah, Award for Best Supporting Oscar. Actress last year. Yeah. Um, so, which is kind of funny because you feel like when somebody wins the the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress, they're like top of the list of everything in Hollywood. And I guess she just so doesn't give a fuck that she's like, eh, who cares? You know, like, like she's already had such a career in South Korea that she doesn't care about Hollywood. And I feel like that means she'll be successful. It's always the people who are like, <laughs> They have an attitude like I don't need it that it comes to them, right? And 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 there's also something gratifying for me as someone who does need it to see somebody being like, I I have no interest in this stuff, you know. Um, it's like a nice uh, a nice perspective. But anyway, so they were staying with her down in Orange County, and the last time they were here, 
I drove down and met them way down there somewhere. I don't remember exactly where we met for brunch. So this time I was talking to my brother and he was like, well, why don't we come closer up to where you are halfway and you don't have to drive so far. And I was like, I don't care. Like I'm fine with, you know, driving, whatever, who cares? And you're a local, you get it. You understand right. How it is. Right. But he was kind of, you know, so he said, find a place, you know, pick a place, find a, go find a place, pick a place, throw a rock and we'll go to where you want to go. So I was like, okay. So I start looking, I go on, there's a thing you can go on the internet and you just like Google around, like what's a good brunch place. What's a, this, what's a, that. (laughs) Yeah. You can just find them. And, uh, and so then I'm like doing all this math of like, how far down are they and how far up would they have to come and how far down would I have to go and whatever parking you have to account for parking, (laughs) parking, but the thing that occurred to me was I really don't know any of these places that we could go. Well, yeah. And and where would you go? Like city of industry? Like, what are we talking That's about? That's one of the problems is there is not a lot of hot tourist attraction stuff in between, you know, Villa Park and Los Angeles. It's like, yeah, commerce, city of industry. You know, we could go to the. It's in the name, like it's just like hard work, sweaty <laughs> <Right>. brow. <laughs> Anvilville, <laughs> the economy, <laughs> blue collar town. Um, no, I mean, do you remember? Did you watch uh, uh, what was the name of that show on? Oh, True Detective. The yes. second season of True Detective no. was in was in like a weird incorporated area that's like within Los Angeles, but oh. sort of South around city of industry. It's just, it's not a, it's not a place that you're like, they have great brunch at this place and oh, yeah. they have bottomless mimosas. Right. You might yeah. get a chain restaurant if right. you're lucky. So I started looking at places on the shore. I was like, Oh, we could go sit out over the ocean. But to do that, both of us would have to drive right. farther than long. either of us is yeah. away, you know? Yeah, like uh, Newport Beach or Redondo Beach or someplace like that. But it was just too far from both places for it to make any sense. On top of which, all those places are like, yeah, we don't take reservations. You just have to show up, put your name on the list. So it's usually a 45 minutes to an hour wait. And I was like, I don't want to deal with that. So ultimately, and 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 honestly, the biggest thing to me was like, I just have no idea. If I pick a place, I have no idea what that place is going to be like. And what if it's not good? And what if I picked a place that's not good and I don't want that responsibility? So I did what you're supposed to do in that situation. I was a man about it. I put it right back on his shoulders and I said, you know what? You pick a place. You find a place, you do this. And so he sent me, he was like, what about this place? And I don't know how he found it. I bet he probably used Googled it. the internet. Yeah. yeah. Um, and It'd be insane if he found it without the internet, I, I would be impressed. <laughs> right. How did people do things before cave. though? Like, I don't know. How, how did you drive anywhere? Right. Like people how did, did. Uh, you know, it's crazy. But now, yeah, it's like we all rely on that so much. Like but half of our brain is external. Gone, right. Um, anyway, 
we get to this place and I don't, I couldn't even tell you what town it was in, but let's just say it was not a, not a great town. It was just like churches and pawn shops. Um, Oh, I have a couple guesses. <laughs> it was name a way that a restaurant could be terrible. And it was terrible in every way. It oh. was, the food was not good. The service was not good. The ambiance was not good. It was too loud. It was, it was expensive? just everything. It wasn't expensive. Well, I don't know. I didn't pay. He paid. So oh. I have no idea, really. I don't think it was expensive, though. But it was one of those places. And I think we've talked about this before, that this is a very California thing. And I think it still is because I don't think it's a I don't think it's made its way to New York. But where you you order at the counter and then you get your number and then you go sit down and they bring you your thing. So there's four of us. There's me, my brother, his husband and their son. And we each ordered like our breakfast and coffee or juice or coffee and juice, a side, a, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I say that because you figure there's four or five items for each of us, which means somewhere between 16 and 20 things. Each of them was brought out separately from oh each other item. God. Like each thing, like somebody would fork. come out and go, here's a thing. Yeah, here's, here's your fruit cup. Yeah, here's your pancakes. Here's your coffee. Here's your, and it wasn't the same uh, waiter or waitress every time. It was a different person every time. And they just want, so you didn't get to eat. Like if you wanted to eat your your bacon and your eggs at the same time, one of them was going to be cold by the time the other one came. So it was, you know, it was just terrible. And my brother's husband is the sweetest guy in the world, but he's just a little bit soft-spoken. And it was so loud that I was having trouble hearing him the whole time. And we had masks on while we were waiting oh, yeah. for our food to come out. So, so, but my point is none of that bothered me in the slightest. I was like, I don't care. I'm like seeing these guys. Your relationship with your. Well, brother. I was like, I, I'm seeing these guys. That's the reason I'm here. And I'm so happy to see them. I'm happy to talk to them. I'm happy to find out what's going on. They're coming all the way from Brooklyn. So I don't get to see them on a regular basis. I get to and see there's them. there's a for, pandemic, which is probably oh, making things better. Absolutely. But had I chosen the place you would have been beside that, yourself I would have been crushed by guilt the entire time mm -hmm. so I was so glad that I put the responsibility on him because it didn't mean anything to me anymore I was fine with the food I was fine with the I mean a little hard to hear sometimes but other than that everything I, I was like this is perfect right. what a great day I'm so happy right now to be here with these guys Whereas I would have been distraught right. if I had picked the place. I would have been like, oh, I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm so sorry. This and is, oh, God, excuse me. Can we just get a little better service? And can you tell everybody to keep their conversations down and stop jangling their silverware so loudly? You know, And you wouldn't be able to be present at all. No, I would have been in my head the entire time. Like, I'm a fuck up. I'm a huge fuck up. And none of that happened. So it was a great, it was a great day it was just really nice to see them mm -hmm. and I felt even though I feel like I feel like that's not taking responsibility by making the decision myself I was so glad I did that and I think I don't know this for sure I think my brother listens to this show sometimes so he may hear me say this I think that he is the type of personality who is like 
It wouldn't. Whatever. Who cares? Wouldn't take it personal. No. So it wouldn't bother him. You know. I don't know that for a fact. And if he does listen to this, uh, let's talk about it. Let's figure <laughs> out if I'm right or not. But I feel like he's like, it's not my fault. Like, I, uh, you know, I, I did this in good faith, and these people are just not good at their jobs. Right. Um. So anyway, it was a. Was a nice, uh, a nice day. And the other thing I got to do this week was, and it's not that I got to do it, but I went and I got my haircut, and that was very exciting. I have somebody that I go to who cuts my hair, who I met uh, when I was surfing in Costa Rica about twelve years ago, and I have not. Which jealous? I want to be <laughs> surfing in Costa Rica. Right well, now. she was like, should we go back? Should we just go back? And I was like, I would like to. I don't know if I want to go back to the same place, but we kind of decided, and I don't know if this will be possible, but we kind of decided that one way or another, we're going to do it. We're going to do some surfing next summer, Fun. even here. Like, she's like, I know people who go down to, I forget where, Huntington Beach or someplace like that, and we can just go with them and and figure it out. Now that means certain things need to happen between now and then. Like I need to, which I'm doing, I need to work on getting in better shape and you know, all those things, but I do hope to get to that point. You know, it would be, uh, it would be fun. That'd be I, really fun. I loved it. I did it for five minutes and I loved it. And I was like, ah, oh, this is, this, this is, is great. I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, practical reality intrudes. It's like, yeah. Do I really want to drive four hours every day to get to the beach? And right. At like the surfing? crack of dawn. Right. Um, so that was my, that was my excitement for the week. That's great. I love it. How about you? I, uh, it was a, <laughs> it was a very busy week at work. That was hard to even say. Like I had a couple days where <clears throat> Jeff had to be like, Hey, like, have you gone outside today? Like, have you moved your body? And, and like, um, and you were like, no, we're playing Statue of Liberty as a bonding <laughs> exercise. <laughs> oh, well, that's the other thing. That was like, um, the great foil is Jeff took this week off work. It just worked out that he has been crazy busy with work. And this week landed nicely between big projects. So it was an easy week for him to take off. I attempted to also take it off and it was like, <laughs> no, absolutely not. So he's been like lounging around the house. I keep being like, I keep say, I keep describing it as he's drinking pina coladas. I've never seen him drink a pina colada in his life, but like that energy, you know, right. and he, and, and I'm like, drinking Ooh. pina coladas. <laughs> he's, he's getting caught in the rain. Right. He's making um, so, love at midnight. So it's been a hilarious contrast mm -hmm. of, um, and he's having a great time. He's like waking up and going and have, having breakfast at the farmer's market and reading his book and then coming home and taking smudgy for a hike. And like, I'm like, that looks nice. <laughs> I just pictured Jeff walking into the farmer's market and he's just like farmers and all the farmers are like, Jeff. <laughs> um, <laughs> they so all yeah, lift their straw hats. <laughs> The, the fact that I'm busy isn't like a super interesting story, but it is a big thing that happened this week. Um, I wanted to give a smudgy update because I had a couple of friends from my sketch team, The Truce, come over on Sunday for a movie night. 
And the truce that- is the arch enemies of Squeesh. Is that correct? Correct. <laughs> Till death. Um, and that was really fun. Um, oh, did you hear that? No. <laughs> oh, there was like a, it was like my stomach was rumbling, but it was like in my chest. I don't, I have no idea. Get your stomach out of your chest. First of all, <laughs> that's not where it belongs. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really fun, but I, I don't know about you. I feel like this is a little bit my mom's influence. I'm be, I'm turning into my mother and also just not, I'm not used to socializing still. So I spent like the entire day cleaning the house and getting snacks and, um, you know, I made Rice Krispie treats and all that stuff. And, um, it was way too much. There's two people who came over, you know, like, right. um, but it was really, it was fun. What I mean is I don't regret it though. Cause like the getting ready for the event was kind of just as fun as the event for me mm-hmm. on some level. Like it, it, and it keeps your place clean. Totally. And you got rice Krispie treats. Mm-hmm. I've had, I've had people over on a regular basis. Lately. No rice Krispie treats. Well, that's absolutely no Rice Krispie treats, but also like, honestly, this place is a fucking mess. You know, like the kitchen is, you know, destroyed. It's, it's, I used to have a whole thing with my, I'm picturing just like, like, <laughs> like somebody ransacked like, the apartment yeah. and it's like on the ceiling. Like, it, like there's no, exploded. there's no like. There's no food waste anywhere. Oh, like, it's not like dirty dishes piled in the sink or anything like that. But like I have a coffee grinder and you know, when you grind coffee, it tends to sort of get around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was, you know, speaking of my, I don't remember if we were saying this on the show or off the show, but speaking of my Brazilian supermodel roommate, she was always obsessively cleaning the tiniest little coffee grounds off of that. Like she just did not care for. So like, there's even like a tray underneath the coffee grinder now, because that way it doesn't, but you know, I've been here by myself and I, it's it's like a sandbox. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a Zen. Like if I took a rake, I could make like those Zen lines with it and people come over and I'm just like, Hey, sorry for the mess. You know, like there's nothing I could do. There's literally nothing I could do, but (laughs) there's no way to fix it. But you're absolutely right. My mother, if she saw this, she would, she would be furious at me. She would Uh be like, how can you let people into your house when it looks like this, um, I probably have I probably have told this story before, but my parents came to visit out here. They've been out a couple of times, but one time they came and they stayed with me. And so before they came, I cleaned the whole apartment top to bottom, and then I had professionals come oh, in and clean the apartment top to bottom, <laughs> and then you cleaned it again. <laughs> it was spotless. And they probably still were like, what's this? Well, they're here for the day. You know, I go pick them up at the airport. We do whatever we do, whatever, whatever, whatever. I show them like, this is where you guys are sleeping. It's, it's, it's nighttime. The TV is on. I'm, 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 I'm like, you my- typically have to tell them what time of day it is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I didn't mention that in the conversation. Yeah. It is nighttime. Guys, you might notice it's dark outside. That is because here in California, we have a thing called nighttime and it is now. Not uh, the time, just the like general. Yeah. 
But anyway, my dad is on the couch. The TV is on. I start to sit. I'm like, oh, okay, we can just sort of. And I just hear like. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is. And I go around the corner and my mother is in the hallway where my washer and dryer are. And she has taken the lint screen out of the dryer and stuck a fork down into where the lint screen is and is pulling out the little bit of lint that has that has been. Why would she even check in there? She had to find something. She had to find something. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Like, uh, so anyway, she would be furious if she saw how much uh, coffee grounds are on my, uh, on my, on my counter right now. But anyway, so you had your friends. over. So we had a fun movie night. It was really great. Um, And do you plan the movie ahead of time or do you pick the movie there? Well, I tried. It didn't work out. Because. We always try to watch a bad movie that we could make fun of together as a group. and But like the rules are no one could have seen it first because it's not fun to be like, oh, you had that joke locked and loaded. Like, mm-hmm. um, Right. You're doing you're doing your gone with the wind chunk, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Is that wind? <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It does sound like a fart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so we didn't settle on anything. And then. We were just catching up, honestly, for a while. And somehow it came up. We started watching. We watched the first two episodes of La Brea. And um, it was. Dude. It was so fun and so perfect. <laughs> it broke the rules because Karen had seen it. And she was saying. She, <laughs> she mentioned that. I know. I know, Karen. I know. She mentioned oh, okay. that. Because she was like, I, I was doing writer's notes. And Sean said. Oh, he said. She said that you said the acting was good. And we all laughed really hard. I don't, I don't think that, first of all, I don't think that's true. I think she said that you said, uh-huh. yeah, the writing's bad, but the acting's pretty good. And she's like, hard disagree. Anyway. Can we take a break? I need to call Karen. But uh, we, no, yeah. we can't. Okay. So, but the way she phrased it, it made it sound like she, she was like, I'm doing writer's notes. And Sean said this about La Brea. And so I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you <laughs> writing notes on La Brea for Sean? Like, what is going on? <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. But it's, I was like, I, what, what is he tricking you into doing? Yeah, What's yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah, you know how it is. I like to take notes on anything I watch. So. <laughs> but I don't want to watch it. So I make yeah. other people take right. notes. Give me a summary of Cliff La Brea. Notes. Yeah. Um, but it was really fun. And, and now we want to kind of, keep getting together every two weeks to watch the next two episodes great um that's how they got they get you i guess but it that was a fun make fun of watch just because we talked about la brea last week right i don't know i think we talked about it on this episode last week oh i said that seeing the trailer i had seen the trailer yeah i hadn't watched the show yet so what what are your favorite things like i now i want to know what your favorite Uh things are about the show I love aside from the good acting, which I think is so indisputable. Good. You're yeah. like they're the best actors I've ever seen. They're yeah. not good actors. Hello, that is funny. Emmy. I think you've got an award to to give out. <laughs> um, I just love that 
there should be like tens of thousands of people in this prehistoric time that fell in if it's that area of that big of an area of La Brea mm -hmm. and there's like seven people total there should be like dead bodies everywhere or like right. injuries and they're all just like perfectly clean and fine I love the dad who's like he saw a picture of a rock and he's like I know where they are in prehistoric <laughs> times. Like, what? <laughs> like, it right. looks just like a normal rock. There was nothing discernible about it. Right. I love I love a lot of things. Sorry for spoilers, P.S. For yeah. I want them to you? start. I want them to start saying, uh, like, holy shit, there's a cartoon wolf. <laughs> right. because, the, right. because the special effects are so, I'm sure they're spending so much money on them, but they're also so low grade at the same time compared to what we're used to with like Jurassic Park in 1993 right. at this point, it's like so below that. And they look hilarious. Like, right. holy shit, a, another cartoon of, but this time it's a saber tooth tiger. Like, uh, totally. and then, and then I think this was episode two. So we didn't talk about it last week, but was, did we talk about the camels at all that there were camels like that really made me laugh because well, and that was another moment where the guy's like, I know where we are. Cause there's seven camels. Like yeah. what? <laughs> but what's interesting about that is to my, in my head. So they have these SFX special effects. Uh -huh. SFX is short for special effects uh, or, or VFX, maybe visual. Effects. And uh, they have these VFX uh, uh, dinosaurs basically, or like prehistoric creatures, like gigantic wolves and saber tooth tigers. But then at another point, just real camels, real camels. The guy's like, no, 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 no. He's an Australian guy. Uh -huh. So he's like, no, 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 don't run in there. That's a tar pit. You don't want to be in there, you camels. And so he keeps these camels from running in the tar pit. So in my head, I was like, are they mixing real animals with dinosaurs so that we don't notice how bad the special effects are? And do they think that we won't notice that? those two things probably didn't exist at the same time. So of course you can find all that stuff out if you look on this thing called the internet. And so I started, and he actually says on the show, he goes, oh, I'm getting my master's degree at the Labria Tar Pits. And we just dug up a bunch of skeletons of camels last year. So there's the camels that are saved. From the so does that pits. mean if you go back to the present, those skeletons don't exist anymore? Because yeah, he, they didn't go in. Yeah. Wow. So and and when so what's going to happen is when he gets back to the present, Michael J. Fox is going to be disappearing because those camels don't sure. exist anymore. Sure. Um, but but I looked up camels and I looked up saber tooth tigers and saber tooth tigers went extinct ten thousand years ago which is exactly when this show is supposed to be taking place and when these camels supposedly that he saved these camels that they found in the Brea tar pits when, so it's, they've picked a very specific moment where saber tooth tigers overlap with camels. Somebody was Googling and they're like, we could do it. We could do it. It's a go. It's, it's amazing. But it's everything amazing. like I'm no scientist. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but like the fact that the mountain ranges in that amount of time, like no change, no, change. Yeah. no nothing. We did talk no about this because she looks at the, she looks at the silhouette of the Hollywood, which is fire thing. company. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> and then it's like it's identical. Like there was I know nothing. where we are. Yeah. There was no the yeah. rain didn't make it go no. down lower or anything. Um the Grand Canyon has been exactly the same for 10 million years. Also, one of the characters' names is uh Dr. Nathan. And for some reason that is so funny <laughs> to me. <laughs> Which one is oh, I think it might be like in present day, the like in charge of FEMA, but they're um, always like Dr. Nathan. And I'm like, did you guys just throw a name at a dartboard? <laughs> I think it's a woman. It's like it's her last name, but it just doesn't sound yeah. real. But what's fucked up is her first name is actually Nathan. So it's like <laughs> Nathan, Nathan. uh but no, so this was the episode where uh 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 John, what's his name? The guy, you know, there's so many things about it, but like in the first episode. The daughter goes, oh, that's my father, a Navy SEAL and a doctor. He can do anything. Like, so, you know, well, so they're expositional. All, they're all like, I, like, it's so heavy-handed, everything that's being said yeah. of, like, I can't see and I can't hear and I can't run. It's like, right. oh, I wonder if you're going to come together and overcome those obstacles. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I do have my season pass set for... And Folks, get used to hearing still. go get 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 used to hearing about La Brea because we're going to be talking about this more as the weeks go on. It's a La Brea, um, but anyway, I that wasn't even the story I was telling. We mm-hmm. had a great time, but Karen listens to the podcast, so sorry, Karen, you just had to relive your own life. Um, I didn't and- say the acting was good. Why are you <laughs> lying about me? <laughs> I'm starting shit. Um, <laughs> But she was like, she came into the house like, like, tell me when I'm allowed to come in. Like, I want to uh, make sure Smudgy's okay. And and then oh. he ran out like not on a leash, like totally fine. Mm-hmm. He kind of, well, he wasn't totally fine the whole time. But she was like, oh, how how is he doing? I was like, oh, he's great. We went for a hike today, and and she's like, oh, like, last time you talked about it on the podcast, it felt dire. And I realized I stopped talking about him, one, because I felt repetitive and boring, and I, I didn't want it to be just like a a journal of exactly what my dog does every day. And two, right. like it it has felt lighter, so it's less oppressively um, ruling my life. So I do have some good news. So I do want to do a smudgy update. I realize mm-hmm. some people, as much as I might be self-conscious about it being boring, I think some people are invested in the smudgy journey. So I want to take also that. once you start thinking about which person likes what, that's the You're death fucked. of art. Yeah. And we're artists. Oh, so I don't know if I'm an artist. I don't know if I've done an artist. We're gonna do our art no a matter long, what. Long time. But yeah. um, yeah, I wanna say like two or three weeks ago, I just got it in my head because um we would practice taking on and off a second leash. He had his one leash on permanently mm-hmm. when he came home from school and he was killing it. He was doing it so well. And um, he loves chasing toys. And there was a couple times where he would go chase a toy and his leash would get caught on like the corner of the kitchen counter. And mm-hmm. he'd get, he'd do like a ricochet where he would get pulled back by his neck and I was like "Ooh, don't love that that feels unsafe and I also don't want him to start hating the leash like it's defeating the point and he was doing such a good job with taking on and off that second leash so one day and maybe I should have made it more of a family conversation but it ended up being fine one morning I was just like 
I'm taking your leash off. And so when he's inside, he doesn't wear a leash and we put it on when he goes out. And that is so normal. But every single time it feels like a miracle, truly, because it was so hard for so long. And um, so it wasn't like you were like, this is the big moment. I'm going to take the leash off and we're just going to have one leash that goes on and off. You were just like, I don't want you yanking your neck out of its socket. So I'm just going to take it off for now and we'll see how it goes. And then it worked out. Totally. That's great. And, uh, and yeah, I, he, we go for walks, we go for long walks now, and that's been good. I think for both of our mental health, he's still kind of reactive when he sees another dog. Um, but he's mostly good with people. Like he's still smudgy. He's still got emotional problems, but mm-hmm. it. We have them managed. We have skills. We have tools in place. Um, when he gets kind of overwhelmed, like a hammer. he goes into his crate and he just goes to sleep now. Like, what I mean is our day-to-day isn't horrific. And it was yeah. for kind of a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a big step forward, it seems like. So, yeah. And he's, he's doing good. We like him. We like him a lot. And... Uh, He's still making up his mind. <laughs> yeah, I know. We always joke that, um, like, you know, like all dog owners, you know, you have like a voice, a smudgy voice. Mm-hmm. So I'm always like, I love you, smudgy. And he's like, I want to kill you, mama. <laughs> There's a little bit of the psycho lurking in there still. Yeah. He, he has an anger in him. He has a temper. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he still is. A mother trucking, he has like a brat streak. Well, we'll be walking down the street and suddenly he's like, I don't want to walk anymore. And he'll sit down and he'll put his chin up so he looks really bratty. And I'm like, no. And then we just keep walking like a minute later. But I was like, what even was that? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? <laughs> um, yeah. Did I tell you that we know his genealogy now? No. So I am Is he a descendant of royalty? <laughs> yes. So we I became fr- Instagram. I followed on Instagram the family that adopted his brother from the rescue. Mm-hmm. Same litter and she did a DNA test on her dog and she shared the results and he's miniature pincher, chihuahua and poodle. So yeah, he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> miniature pincher. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, like a Doberman pincher. Uh-huh. But miniature. Yeah. Got and it. that makes sense. That's what his body looks like. For some reason, when you said miniature pincher, I was like, this makes no sense. But in my head, I was like, crab? <laughs> but a little one. <laughs> but yeah, we keep going. Oh, there's our min pin. The little <laughs> min pin. Uh, but that seems like a kind of an aggressive type of dog. Yeah, yes, but smart, mm-hmm. but stubborn. Like it, everything I've read about miniature pinchers, I was like, yes, that is my dog. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but it's good to know those things. Mm-hmm. It helps, uh, I guess. So that's my smudgy update. Thing. Great. Uh, well, that sounds like things are looking up, trending. Yeah. Knock on all the wood. It's been Mm -hmm. a, it's been a tough year for a lot of reasons, but the smudgy stuff certainly was a large portion of it for me. 
Right. Also, this is tipping next week, but whatever. Let's tip next week. Jeff and I have not gone away overnight mm-hmm. anywhere since my birthday last year, which is we're almost at a calendar year. Um, and we are going away tomorrow. So um, very overnight. excited about that. What? Overnight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday night. Over two nights. Two overnights. Mm-hmm. And Smudgy's going back to his school for those two days. He loves it there. He, uh, we'll see. <laughs> we packed his lunches. It's so cute. <laughs> he's like, do I get to go in the amphitheater again? Where everybody's sure all locked up? I love going to where everybody's all locked up and I get to be in the amphitheater. <laughs> Are we going to go for a walk in Target? We keep joking because we're like, yeah, he's pretty good. But that the school people are going to be like, this is not good. Like, we have lower standards. <laughs> They're going to start putting more leashes on him again. Mm-hmm. I just picture when you were talking before about taking off one leash and still having a leash on, it felt a little bit like uh, one of those magic tricks where the magician <laughs> keeps pulling handkerchiefs out of his out of his jacket, you know, like. And it's just like he has another <laughs> oh, leash on and another leash. It's funny that you say that because that's how we present it to him. It mm-hmm. sounds insane, but we're always like, it's a magic trick. I put on your leash and you get fed. We, I take <laughs> off your leash, you get fed. Like, like it made it happen. <clears throat> I hope he likes magic. Some people don't, you know. <laughs> I think it's easy to hate magic, but I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so you're going out of town. Smudgy's doing well. What else? Anything else? Work is crazy busy. Um, every time I'm like, I think I figured stuff out. Like an email comes in that's like, everything's on fire. Like you fucked <laughs> up. And I'm like, oh no. So, um, but I am taking tomorrow off. So <laughs> we'll see. Nice. <laughs> um, all right. Well, should we get into what we, Talked about talking real about stuff. for this for this week. Well, this has turned into a 27 dresses slash La Brea slash murder podcast. Yes. Uh, and those fit together nicely. <laughs> I was on La Brea wearing 27 dresses when I got murdered. <laughs> um yeah, so so I guess we talked last week about watching 27 dresses, and you said that you watched it. Mm-hmm. And I spent the entire work being like, okay, I guess I could get it in on Tuesday. Like I like was stressed out about watching. Tuesday. Like homework assignment. Yes. I was like, Sean's going to be so mad if I don't watch 27 dresses. Oh, I would have been furious. <laughs> furious. Uh, but here's well, a question I have. But because I was so um, passionate about watching it, mm-hmm. Jeff was like, is this your favorite movie? And I was like, no. <laughs> I like the sequel, 28 Dresses. <laughs> Much better. Uh, but here's a question I have. So you had to watch 27 Dresses. You had to watch those two episodes of La Brea. Mm-hmm. I feel like, because I teach classes now where I assign people to watch stuff. And I'm working on other stuff where we always well, are like. Karen's writing notes for you. but Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, I'm like, Karen, can you watch this show and write notes on it, please? Uh, no, but I'm always like, okay, let's watch this thing as a reference or, you know, whatever. I just feel like 
whenever something is like, here's another example. I'm going to do a podcast next week. That is a, I don't want to give anything away, but it's, it involves pop culture stuff. So there's a requirement of like, kind of. you have to be familiar with a couple of things. And so now I'm like, okay, I got to familiarize myself with this and with this. And I feel like okay, as, so soon as, as soon as, <laughs> well, it could be like, you have to familiarize yourself with anime and film I'm, noir. You I'm know? joking, but like, <laughs> he's telling us too much. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but I feel like as soon as it is required that I watch something, I will do anything not to watch that thing. Yes. And it reminds me of before Netflix was a streaming service when it was, what did you do? You put, you, you picked stuff you, online and then and it, it sent you the DVDs and then you had as long as you wanted. On, yeah. You, I just wouldn't watch it for like a month and a half. And meanwhile, paying the fees on a regular basis, because as soon as I had the thing in front of me, I was like, this is not what that. I want to watch. Yeah, I want to yeah. watch something else. I want to see something else. And you can't get the next one until you've turned in that one. Unless right. That was how that, that was how it was then with, with the Netflix stuff. But I just, I, I feel like, I don't know what that is psychologically, but as soon as something is important to watch, it's the last thing in the world I want to watch. I mean, I think it's the same with school and reading. Like, I'm sure there's some books in high school that if I had just stumbled upon them, I would have like devoured. But as soon as it's assigned, it's like, eh, I don't know. Right. So maybe there's an English class somewhere where the teacher is like, all right, class, the first thing I would like you to write down is whatever you do, do not read 1984. <laughs> and then the kids are like, oh, 1984. It's interesting. And it comes after 1983 or whatever, you know. Um, I forget what that book was about, but that was mostly about what it was about, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so 27 Dresses, you watched it. What did you think? What were your thoughts? So good. <laughs> no, it was wild because nothing felt grounded in reality. It's exactly what you were mentioning last week, where there there wasn't like a moment that I was like, oh, that is identifiable as something that happens in, in life. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a single moment, but um, but it was like watchable. Right. It's it, it's just interesting to me because first of all, there is no subtext in romantic comedy. There's just texts like this is who I am. This is what my life is. This is who my boss is. This is what I think about this. This is my problem. This is your problem. If we could solve those two problems, we would both be perfect people but at least we know specifically what those problems are mm -hmm. and we know how they could be solved. Even if we can't solve them, we know what they are. Right. We're not oblivious to our, we are very aware. I feel like oh, real life people are a mess, you know, but and in, have no idea. Right. And are doing the exact things that they hate in other people because mm -hmm. that's how psychology works. But, Oh, this was the big thing that I wanted to talk about with you. Mm -hmm. James Marsden's entire job by the so way, hold, hold on. Before we even get into his job, 
James Marsden, Dreamboat, who I identified as somebody from X-Men. Mm-hmm. He plays the guy, again, I didn't even look it up this week. I should have looked it up, but he's the guy who has the things over. He has like sunglasses Vision on and then he something. goes, <laughs> like he blows people up with his laser eyes. I think it might be, I think that might be his name is laser eyes. Um, but what was funny was, when I said last week he's from X-Men, you were like, uh, no, boss baby. And I just <laughs> thought that was so funny because it's like the whole point is that this guy is a dreamboat and you're identifying him from, <laughs> from an animated movie. It's like, okay, okay, sure, sure. <laughs> he's mostly known for playing a baby in Boss Baby or whatever. Uh, uh, he, he plays the... Not baby. <laughs> Alec Baldwin plays the baby. Okay. Well, you know, whatever the case, he doesn't look like himself in that movie. He's no. a character. Right. Uh, but anyway, so you're going to say James Marsden's job is. Yes. It yeah. is hysterical because he works for a newspaper and he writes like the write-ups of weddings, mm-hmm. which is a real thing. I think they're write-ups of weddings, but f- how I understand it is they're sort of like submitted by the couple themselves or Mm -hmm. like there isn't like a beat reporter (laughs) like going to every wedding in new york city not only going to every wedding but like going on tours with the the bride interview every single person who is in the wedding who attended the wedding who catered the wedding right for this exhaustive like investigative thing just to be like they got married at a boathouse. Like, and he's like stressed about it. And his editor's like, I need that on my desk by 5 p.m. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Their whole, (laughs) their whole financial model is based on their wedding announcement pages. (laughs) Like this is the New York journal, the oldest, most prestigious newspaper in New York. And we only make money off the advertisements in the wedding pages. And even if that was true, it would be like so much more profitable to not do it this way, where somebody <laughs> investigates every human being who attends a wedding. And he's and he's just to write a puff piece. Like, why are you interviewing everyone? <laughs> there's there's such funny exposition just between him and the boss right at the beginning, where he's like. I want harder stories. I want to do a real, I want to do a real story. And she's like, oh, like the story you did about how wedding cake makers inflate the price of their, and he's like, flour is eight cents a pound. Those people are inflating at 800%. Like it's this incredibly important, like hard hitting news story. Well, that was the other funny thing is, I don't know if it's like, because I think it, it, the movie came out in 2008. Mm-hmm. So I think it might just be like how much the world has changed in that much. But one of the stories he's like, um, wedding dress workers are being exploited. And the editor's like, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> and I was like, that's like, I feel like people give a shit. Like that actually is a story. Right. <laughs> but she was like, Bleh. <laughs> who cares? Yeah. I don't I don't know. It, it made me laugh that I was like, that, blah, blah, sounds, blah, blah. that sounds like a real story. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but but to that point, also, it came out in 2008. Mm-hmm. Were we all still using Filofaxes in 2008? Was that 
was that a time when nobody had like because the first thing that happens is she leaves her file of facts in the cab and that's how he goes oh i got your file of facts i'm no, gonna catch up with you no that is a plot point that he's like you should buy a phone or a computer nobody uses these anymore like that was mm-hmm. i also liked how much and it and it's just like This is the plot. Yeah. So this is how we have to act. Even if it makes zero sense and it's not justified at all. But she fucking hated his guts. Like wanted him dead. Because he was like, I don't know if I believe in marriage. And she was like, I'm going to throw you off a cliff. I never want to see your face again. I will throw up if I ever see you again. And and to your point, like. You know you're looking at James Marsden, right? Like, <laughs> like there would be some. She's level completely of like, unaffected yeah, by she's that. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like following her around, yeah, and she's and like, just like, "You are the most disgusting, vile <laughs> yeah. human being." Yes, uh, and like, yeah, it, but 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 that's also you're you're exactly right. It's it's because he he doesn't just question the validity of weddings. He's like as she says, he's very cynical. He's like, who gives a shit? Like it's just forced conversation, uncomfortable reunions and getting drunk. That's what a wedding is. And meanwhile, she loves weddings. So they're exact opposites meeting in the back of a cab talking about the one thing there's no way they'll ever connect on. <laughs> and that means not only do they hate each other, but they are perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. That's how love and that's what I mean. Like, there's no subtlety, no subtext, no. Everybody is just the exact thing that they need to be in that particular moment. Yeah, and and now that I'm thinking about it, it was it, better than you thought. No, no, no. Um, it might have worked with a subtler, more adept actor. Um playing the girl part. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> well, you um, know what her name is, right? It is Catherine. Jane. No. That's the character's name. Right. And I was like, but oh, I she's Jane you- because she's just a plain Jane. Right, right, right. Like that's, you know, perfect for her. She's but, Jane. But I can see an actor an actor playing it where you can tell the entire time that they're attracted to James Marsden Mm -hmm. or that there's some sort of spark, but they're fighting it. But she did not do that. She was was playing playing it like, I wish you were dead. (laughs) It's so weird. (laughs) You vile creature. Um, And then the Betty of the Jet scene. Well, that was my big obsession. That was the that was that was what really got me going on that. Because everyone in the bar loved it. <laughs> they wouldn't like no one was upset that this was happening. And you saw that one guy that I was talking about, right? The one extra who was like sitting next to them and was like <laughs> it's not even like he's sitting next to them going, Hey, this looks like it's going well for you. It's he's as we say in acting, indicating everything <laughs> to such a high degree. Yeah. Um, that there's no way you could help, help but, and, and I'm sure what happened was 
they knew what they were building to. And this was the director's way of going, okay, we're going to start with it being one person. Yeah, some people and then are we're into gonna, it it's, right it's away. It's a subtle yeah. thing, you know, like we're, we're starting you with know, this one guy and then we're building it works. out. Yeah, yeah, right. Like it spreads through the, through the rest of the crowd. Um, well, and I also liked that her arc at the end, again, sorry for the spoilers, is basically like she had to be cured of weddings and taking care of weddings mm-hmm. by finally having her own wedding like it was just like it's the, only way. It's okay. the only way mm-hmm. um that's her problem though right is that she's just all about taking care of other people she takes care of her boss she takes mm-hmm. care of her sister and she doesn't take care of judy greer the other character that <laughs> um there, there's so much I can say. The fact that she was in two weddings the same night, I would argue Insane. you're you're not a good bridesmaid. Like, yeah. that's not good. Although my counterpoint to that would be, and I'm not sure that this is what we were witnessing, but it f- I chose to see it this way. So she's in two weddings mm-hmm. and as a she, bridesmaid. She changes her clothes and hair. Every she's going time back, she and back and forth. Yeah, she's same like, night. Find an outfit that works for both. What are she's, we doing? She's well. You can if you're a bridesmaid. You got to wear what the bride wants you to wear. And, and like put your hair back up in a bun, and then take it out, and then put it back up, and then take it out. Right. And so she's she, she's at one wedding with her sort of uh, uh, waspy friends, and then the other wedding is her jewish friend marrying an indian guy right Mm -hmm. like it was very new york that there was lots so like they're playing the same song which is a michael jackson song and the white people are all dancing like white people and then we cut to the the other wedding and everybody's dancing like a bollywood musical like it was just crazy but on the nose yeah a little on the nose uh but so she's going back and forth in the cab. She's paying the driver 300 bucks to take her back and forth to the two. And she's like, if every time you look in the back, I'm deducting money. Cause she's changing her dress. She doesn't want him mm-hmm. to see her naked. And I think uh, she, th- th- that was one of the few jokes in the movie that I thought was funny. She's like 140, you know what you did. <laughs> um, but she, so she's ostensibly so close to both of these women that she's in their wedding. And yet neither of them is close enough to the other. Right. They have no idea that the other. That the other exists. Right. But you're saying by going back and forth between those two weddings, she's not a good bridesmaid. However, we did see scenes at both of those weddings where, where she was. Yes. What, what were you going to say? They make speeches about her. Well, no, no, okay. That, yes. That yes. made me die laughing. I was like, never seen this before. They all of the brides were like, everybody, everybody, like, keep it down. <laughs> I have someone special to thank. It's the Jane. most important thing we have to talk about today <laughs> is my third bridesmaid who helped me get the cake. Like, but no, 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 that's not what I was going to say, because that is a good point. But what I was going to say is we see scenes at both of those weddings of her helping the bride take a shit during the wedding. It's it's probably peeing. And that <laughs> that's is why I say thing. I chose to see it that way. Jeff asked me about it. And that is a real thing. But it just was that she was the one right, right, with right. both of them. Well, that's why they made the speech about her. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, come on. She's the one who helps them both shit like that. Come on. That's not real. Um, but I guess maybe she was that close to both of them. Well, I, I yeah, I had a hard time. 
if you have that many close friends that you are in the wedding party, like that's very close. Mm -hmm. Like she didn't have a phone conversation with any of those 27 women, the entire movie. She didn't go to lunch with them. Right. They're not, they don't exist except on the day of their wedding wedding, so that she can have the dress after that. Um, and then they exist at the very end when they all service her bridesmaids in their own individual. Which honestly was the best part of the whole thing. <laughs> Just everybody in their different outfits. I mean, that's another weird thing. That whole scene where she has every dress in a closet in her apartment. And, you know, we all know how precious real estate space is in New York. We've heard that conversation about friends a million times by now. More than 27. Am I uh-huh. crazy? I don't know. Maybe. But. But. And how he took pictures of them, and then he wrote an article about her, but then he started to like her. This is just me recapping the movie. Yeah, yeah. Then, like, the editor's like, this is going to be the front page. I was like, why? (laughs) But not only that, the editor tells him it's going to be the front page. And he and goes, she's like, you just wait me for that. <laughs> goes, but he goes, just wait, please wait a week. I, I, I feel like there's more about her that I want to get into. Like, I want to get into more. And so he goes and he fucks her. And the, the, the editor says, I'll wait a week. I'll give you a week. And he goes and he has sex with her. And the editor in the meantime has changed her mind and publishes it that morning. And so they're at breakfast after their first consummation. And the paper comes out and they're like everybody in the diner, because I guess in 2008, people still got the paper every day. They love the paper and they love the like wedding the wedding section. <laughs> right. So they're like, Oh, that's the girl from the newspaper. Famous. Yes. But the whole thing also, just to go back to the thing that I am really obsessed with about the whole thing is the fact that there's no subtext and that everybody, we know what everybody's problem is and we know how to solve it. So we know that her problem is from the time she was very young, she had to take care of her much more beautiful sister. (laughs) She was the ugly duckling that nobody cared about. And her much more beautiful sister got everything she wanted and she had to take care of her. So that's her problem. James Marsden, baby, baby boss, uh, boss, baby. uh, Hey, baby boss. (laughs) His problem, we learned, is that his heart was broken. He he, he went he had too a, far with that. He doesn't. He had trust a very anymore. right. He had a very fancy wedding all planned out, and his bride ran away with his college roommate. And I don't think I would have noticed this the first time I watched it, but it was really funny to me the second time. That information comes out in a scene where the two of them are going through a store while she is uh you know doing the QR coding yeah. all the things that the bride is going to want for her wedding and again it's that no subtext thing where she's like i know what your problem is your problem is probably that this or like, it's that or it's this or it's that and then she goes or did you have a fancy wedding scheduled and the bride ran off with somebody else and he goes bingo nailed it and it was my roommate from college but what's really what's really funny about it is that the way it's shot, she's she's kind of guessing things, and then she turns away and her back is to the camera, and that's when she says, 
or did you have a real and so we're we're just seeing the back of her head and she says or did you have a really fancy wedding planned and you know the bride took off with somebody else or whatever whatever the line is where she nails his heart wound that has made him the cynic that he is she's not looking at the camera and the line is clearly ADR. Like it's clearly something that they put in after they shot the actual footage that it's over, which means that this pivotal moment in the movie didn't even get covered when they were doing coverage of (laughs) all the shots they were doing in the movie. They got to a point during editing where they were like, holy shit, we don't have a clean shot of her saying the most important line she has in their conversation. We're going to have to ADR it. Let's just show the back of her head and she can, we can have her dub it in later. And I was like, Oh my God, how can you have that happen in a movie that has like five major (laughs) emotional moments and you just completely missed one of them. Totally. And I also want to bring up the fact that the sister, I think the actor's name is... Malin Ackerman. Malin Ackerman. If you see Malin Ackerman on screen, that is the character you're not supposed to like for some reason. Like, she has been typecast as the, like, enviable, Mm -hmm. like, sort of competition to the lead. Don't you think like I I, I don't know I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of what else I've seen her in and like what I know her from really is Children's Hospital because that's where oh. I met her when I was doing you know I didn't do a lot with them but like I did a couple things and you know I, I have no idea who her character was on that show because I never watched the show but her. she's in uh, Billions I know she's the wife of the oh I don't I, I know guy. she's in wanderlust and she's in like a bunch of comedies where like that is her part like what i mean like she it's like sexuality first humanity Mm -hmm. maybe not even making it to the table and i I like feel bad for her because i feel like like we were supposed to hate her guts and it's like right but why (laughs) well yes but they also there was no subtlety in that either. You know, no, she it was like, like she was lying about everything. Yeah. yeah. And lying about dumb stuff. I was right. like, he wouldn't care. Our I loved our dog Blithers. The dog's name was Wesselhorst, you know. Uh and she like cut well, up I had the a lisp as a child. wedding dress. Yeah, yeah. Like everything was she was just a bad person uh-huh. all the way around. I guess she was supposed to be a, a model, right? Was that her? Uh-huh. Was that her job? But that's, I mean, I said this last week, but that is also hilarious to me is like Malin Ackerman is the gorgeous one and Catherine Heigl is the ugly duckling. And right. it's like, that doesn't make any sense in any world no. in which anyone is aware of anything, right. you know? Um, you just can't do that. I did like that. I don't know what I don't I don't know. I guess it was some kind of philanthropical business, whatever it was that they did. Like yeah, they were Ed like Byrne was people. like he climbed a bunch of mountains and then he started this business that did something good for people or whatever. <laughs> um but I couldn't quite figure it out. But two things I liked about that business. One is that after that first wedding, her friend shows up to work still carrying her bridal dress like two days later or whatever. So well, yeah, we get- I was like, they, 
when did the wedding happen? Like, right. But the point was like, oh, she's one of those girls. She's going to she's going to hook up with one of the groomsmen and that's going to be what she does for two days, whatever. But then she comes into work. So she ostensibly works there like she's she's a co-worker and she just follows Catherine Heigl around the entire time and never like even goes to a desk or anything. And then Catherine Heigl leaves and she leaves with her. Like, I'm like, what is her job? She doesn't. <laughs> Have a job. How can you go into work and you just wander around and the boss doesn't even talk to her? Like she's not that important. Maybe so it's not like she can ghost. get away with that. <laughs> <Ghost>. <laughs> but I was like, you know, what, what is she doing? But also I would have liked it if I this was not her name, but I would have liked it if the receptionist was Jessica Jones, because oh. that's what she did later was Jessica Jones. I forget the actress's name, but uh, if she was already like an alcoholic private detective in <laughs> this, but also working in the daytime as a receptionist at this philanthropical company, because um, she only has like four lines in the movie. But she had a goth wedding. Right. Like, all of the weddings were like on the oh, Was she the Halloween time. one? Yes. <laughs> where that was where yes. she says like, this is means I love you. And then, yeah. Um, <laughs> And it was also, there, there's also so many things that are like, so the way she meets baby boss is he leaves, she leaves her file of facts in the cab. Mm-hmm. And then this is her. He's like, wow, she's going back and forth in the cab. That's interesting. Right? And then she right. like hurts herself. I'm, it's getting foggy. There's something I, I happened. She like fell and he's like, I'll take oh, right, right. She fell and got knocked unconscious <laughs> yes, and no at one, one of those weddings. And we come, she comes back to consciousness and he's the only person helping her. He, she needs better friends. Everybody she... else is just staring from across the wedding. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on with that idiot? Meanwhile, she just got knocked out because a girl was trying to get the, the bouquet of flowers before she did. Uh, which is always funny to me in those scenes because I literally have a picture from one of my brother's weddings of that moment where my now sister-in-law like threw the bouquet of flowers over her shoulder and there's all these single women lined up behind her, including my significant other at the time. And all of the women are like, so excited to be grabbing it except for my girlfriend who literally i swear to god this is true i should get the picture she literally looks like this (laughs) (laughs) no subtext yeah it worked out uh but anyway she gets knocked unconscious like if somebody gets knocked unconscious in real life that is a very it's serious frightening moment yeah And it's not like that. She's fine. Here, you want this? Yeah. You want this uh, bouquet? You can take it home and then uh, this guy will drive you home. It'll be great. And she was just like, oh, this night wasn't that good. I was like, are you okay? And also, like, she just she just ghosted the other wedding. Like, she never went back to that one. Um, The Irish goodbye at the Jewish Indian wedding. Uh, But uh, yeah, a million things. Like, I'm trying to remember what else I did. I did write a couple of things uh, 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 down. Oh, oh, I was talking about how she forgot her. She forgot her file of facts. Then at a later moment, like there's just these little things 
that you're like, if this happened in one large group of people once, I would get it. But like she forgets her file effects. Then there's a moment later on where he forget, you know, Brothers McMullen forgets his wallet at work and she goes to bring him the wallet. So she's there when he's asking her sister to marry him. But then another part of it is, so that's like, that's a weird coincidence that everybody's always leaving their shit everywhere at very important And moments. no one has phones. Like, just be like, hey, I have your wallet. Like, right. let me know if you need it. But then uh, the other thing is, you know, baby boss <laughs> lost his bride at the altar to his college roommate. Mm. She loses the love of her life to her sister right. at somebody else's engagement party. Like, none of these are good people. They're all like, they're all fucking around on somebody that somebody else cares about, you know? Um, it's kind of a dark view of humanity. Like, if you're if you're not paying attention, your sister or your best friend is gonna swipe your your significant other. Um but the main thing to me is like, I wish I could have a conversation with somebody where they would just go, you know what your problem is? It's this very specific thing. Oof. I you say you wish how... that, but I feel like you would be like, this hurts quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think that's what makes it unrealistic in these scenes because people just take it and you'd be like, mm-hmm. that would crush your soul. If somebody really put a mirror up to you, like this is your one big problem, even huh. if it was true, it would be so painful at first. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. But it also makes me think like, is there a person out there who thinks about people that way? Oh, who like, are constantly like, you know what your problem is? Yeah, like, is or do you think that way about your closest? Because it has to be your closest friends. It can't right, be right. like people that you sort of met on the bus or whatever. It's like somebody that you know very well. Are you able to look at them and go, this is the one specific thing that if this was different, you would be happy for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't now we're just talking about fiction in general, but I think characters are typically written with like such a specific singular one motivation. So it's very easy to have like the one specific obstacle to that. And I would posit that human beings are more complex than that where they have more than one overarching desire at any moment and more than one obstacle and so it it it's hard to just be like you know what you need to do you need to try more fun things like (laughs) it 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 it's not that simple is what i'm saying I, i i agree with you but i also think that that is something you get out of other movies for example you know like you don't feel like this is the this person is on a straight and narrow path and this is the only thing about them that is of any interest to anyone is how they are broken and how they're going to be fixed it's like there's lots of stuff going on in this person's life we're just focusing on this one part of it right now because this is what the movie is about but there's other stuff that they have going on do you know what i'm saying yeah like, but I, 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 maybe, maybe I'm just revealing too much about myself. But mm-hmm. I also always feel, you know, in in 
studying literature and doing like analysis of plays, it's always about like the characters, like one true universal motivation. And I've always felt like I couldn't completely relate. Like I couldn't boil down my one true motivation in life, but maybe I could in one story of my life. And that's what fiction is. I'm, I'm talking all these ideas out as I go. I, I, no, I think, yeah. And uh, as am I, I'm not, you know, I do have a master's and a doctorate in comparative literature in everything. and cinema. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm just talking about as I go too. But like, I remember when I took a class, <laughs> this is actually academic. When I took a class in college uh, called Victorian buildings, Roman, which is a type of novel that is the development of personhood, basically like, you know, Tom Sawyer is a, is a buildings Roman. It's about him growing into who he becomes or whatever. Um, the professor talked about it in cinematic terms and said, you know, everybody has this big messy life and the way these novels work or the way a movie works is you just pick the moments that are right. going that to go for that particular narrative yeah. story. And I feel like what I what I get from a movie like Twenty Seven Dresses is there's no other part of this person's right. life. It's just a this black empty it. void. Yeah. Well, they technically, are... she's got these twenty seven very enriched friendships, <laughs> but we don't see any part. But of even it. if I had seen one conversation with one of those people, it would have made it feel like a more full character right. instead of a screen on which the writer, director, whoever projects this idea of like, we are all broken in a particular way. And if we can get past that one particular way, life is good after that. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we get married on the beach and we live happily ever after. And I guess that's escapism. And that's what people want from a movie like that. But it just feels so bizarre to me to watch something like that. I don't know why, but as I was watching it, I was literally thinking of Pulp Fiction, like of John Travolta. Very at, similar. Well, <laughs> just like the, the 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 Royale with cheese conversation, you know how that's like not really a narrative thing; it's just chit chat. But it gives us an idea of who these characters are and makes them fuller and more interesting, and not just like. We're going to kill these guys. These guys are going to get killed by us who are killers. What we do is kill people and we're going to kill these people because that's what we're getting paid to do because we get paid to kill people. It's like they're, they have other stuff going on. It's, it's, it's messier than, you know, my mother died when I was little and my father has never been the same since. And I've tried to take care of my sister ever since then. And of course that's impossible because she's off jetting around the world with Italian models and who knows who she's going to bring home in the middle of the night. But now she's met my boss and she likes him a lot, but I liked him first, but I guess I'm done with that because he likes her back. And uh Oh, now what do I do? Mm -hmm. I'm fucked. I have a terrible wound, but there's a way to fix it. It's James Marston. It's baby boss. <laughs> um, so anyway, I just, I don't know why, but like I said, I've had that experience like four or five times in the last six months where I've just like late at night been flipping through and came across a 
rom-com and just sat and watched the entire thing. And I think it is that thing of like, wouldn't it be nice if life was this simple Mm. and neat and all you had to do was solve this one thing and then you could live happily ever after. And I'm looking at it through the lens of like, this is fucking absurd and ridiculous but I guess the appeal of those movies is that people get to watch it and they're like, this could be how things go mm-hmm. for me going forward. Although I would have to be much younger and my mother would have to die. You know, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> and this is besides the point, this is almost uh-huh. a hack thing to bring up at this point, but she's an assistant in New York city and her apartment is fucking awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I just friends, you know, what's the deal with yeah, their apartments? Like, how did the they, deal. what are they, how, how are they living in those apartments? But, but I mean, really, yes, you're right, but I'm okay with the well, apartment. I would been... waste that much space for a bunch of fucking dresses you never wear. Well, I guess if we're going to make the story, she's the loser. Her sister is the successful, cool globe trotting one like mm-hmm. put her in a small dumpy apartment like really go for it then i don't know like right. your life seems pretty good once you stop obsessing about right. like there should ball. be the guy who's living upstairs and it's like she gets home and she's wants to go to bed and all of a sudden it's like exactly she's like oh um, mr davis like, everything about her life is a nightmare she's in the wrong place but like if she just zoomed out and stopped obsessing about her boss like her life's pretty cool she clearly has a ton of friendships like <laughs> i don't know right <laughs> and what we know now the science of happiness dictates that that's what life is really all about in terms of happiness is right the quality and quantity of friendships. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe she has so many yeah, I don't and the think quality is so low. It might not have been reciprocal. That's mm-hmm. kind of think also what they were trying to allude to. Look, you got to get Jane to be one of your bridesmaids because that's all she does. It's like getting a professional wedding consultant. That's what she does. She's her. a bridesmaid. Uh... So anyway, folks, check out 27 Dresses. This is a bizarre episode. I love it so much. Well, yeah, but here's another. uh, I won't keep going, but just thinking about when Brothers McMullen proposes to uh, Malin Ackerman. Mm -hmm. uh, Again, it's like everybody else's life is perfect. Except for, like he says, my parents met playing hopscotch when they were eight years old. (laughs) And they were married for 42 years. Hopscotch. (laughs) And like she has a picture, she has an article, a clipped out article from the world-renowned New York Journal in her apartment of her parents' wedding. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I don't have any pictures or articles from my parents' wedding up in my apartment. That seems odd to me. Um, Well, it's also because there's so many things they could have done where it could have been about the fact that she was so obsessed with weddings but didn't really care about, like, relationships. Like, a wedding is 
to get a mm-hmm. marriage and that she needed to learn about actual like human connection instead of focusing on the ceremony and he you know you're, or something like that like but it, it because she was obsessed with her parents wedding like who cared i don't know it was bizarre everything about it was bizarre oh where it was what the what the mom was wearing are you still there yeah i think my oh, internet's going in and out here we go <laughs> I think mine is too. Um, why don't we take a break and I will reset my modem and then we'll come back and finish without losing contact. <laughs> bye bye. Hey everybody, it's Sean. You are listening to The Long Shot. If you're like me, you live most of the time in a fantasy where everything is beautiful and nobody hurts. But once in a while, practical reality intrudes. And that's where we're at with The Long Shot right now. Uh, Where we have been maintaining that uh, Joe and Jamie are away on assignment all the time. And right now, it feels like they're just not here anymore. Uh, I can't say that they're never coming back, because I really don't know. But it does change the nature of the show and the nature of how we set the show up. Uh, So you may notice things being a little bit different, but that's the nature of life. We evolve, we change, we keep going, and we get back into the mindset where... Everything is beautiful and nobody hurts. So take a moment, write us a review, a five-star, write us a five-star review on iTunes and tell us why this is the worst thing that ever happened, that Joe and Jamie are not around anymore, or how amazing it's going to be without them. It's up to you. Maybe it's both. Now back to our show. We're back. You're listening to The Long Shot, and uh, we're talking about 27 Dresses. So in the first scene of 27... (laughs) uh, No, we're going to get into parting shots. So do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. Uh, Two things I wanted to mention. I was talking before about how as soon as I'm supposed to watch something, I have no interest in watching it and i'll watch anything else that said when what i'm supposed to watch is something that i know i love i'm like okay i'm this is an excuse to watch this thing totally so i watched because of a discussion i had with some of the people i'm working on one of these projects with i started watching the first episode of deadwood the other night uh which is one of my favorites of all time such a great show and of course now i'm like seven episodes into season one like i you know i just am compelled to keep watching it but what was very exciting to me was at some point and this is only because i'm such a weirdo about these things uh somebody in the show says you know all those guys out there waiting online and I was like, yes, like, 
And of course, the guy who wrote the show, David Milch, was from Buffalo, New York. And so I don't know if Buffalo is within that New York regional area, but he also like went to Yale and wrote NYPD Blue. So I'm assuming lived in New York City while he was doing that. So, you know, he's with the he's with the regionalism, even though it's like a an anachronistic. It's a Western that, that takes place in like 1878. He was he was saying online instead of in line. And I was like, nice. Love it. <laughs> Um, but the other thing I was going to talk about, and this is, you know, something we've talked about a couple times over the last few weeks. Um, and again, something I talked way too much about, but on my way back from brunch the other day, I realized, or I guess I realized on my way down that even though I got my registration for this year for my car, I hadn't put it on my license plate. Mm-hmm. So I was driving around. The thing was in my front seat or on my front seat. I forget which is acceptable. Uh, And I had not attached it to my license plate yet. So I was like, if I get pulled over, hopefully I won't get a ticket. I'll be able to say, no, I have it right here. But as I was about to drive back up the five back to Los Angeles, I was like, let me just stop for two seconds and I can just put the thing on the back of my license plate. And then I don't have to worry about it anymore. So I pulled into a Starbucks, switched to the thing, put it on my license plate. And I was like, hey, I'm here. I'm at Starbucks. Why don't I grab myself Mm -mm, a coffee to drink? Yeah. (laughs) Let me go inside and get a coffee to drink. So I go into this Starbucks, nondescript. I mean, we all know what Starbucks looks like at this point. There's five people behind the counter. I'm the only person on or in line initially the woman says to me she looks back and she goes just so you know we're short staffed today and we are really slammed right now so it takes about 15 to 20 minutes to get a drink right now and i was like Uh, I don't see it, but okay. Yeah. Like all I want is a coffee with cream. Like I'm not, I don't want a Frappuccino with a double mocha latte twist with caramel syrup and sprinkles on top. I just want a coffee with cream. And she goes, she looks back again to the other people that are there and she goes, it'll still probably be about 10 minutes. And I said, And by this time, there's a guy right behind me, either in or online. And I said, I was really trying to be nice about it. And I said, I'm not trying to give you a hard time or anything. I'm just trying to figure out what the workflow is here, because it seems like just grabbing a cup of coffee with cream in it shouldn't take 10 minutes. Like, I feel like that would be easy for you to do. So can you just, I'm trying to understand what your workflow is. And she goes, me too. And I was like, okay, all right. So I'm not going to get an answer, which fine. It seems insane to me that it should take 10 minutes to get a cup of coffee with cream. In it. That it's literally a 20 second operation. And if you are handling orders of people who are ordering online or in line. No, no, no. That's definitely online. If you're ha- handling orders of people that are online and that's what's holding you up and what you're really focused on, that's fine. 
but it feels like you can take the 20 seconds out to just give me my coffee so I can leave. But she was not able to make that kind of executive command decision. And I had decided I was going to get a coffee from Starbucks. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. Well, apparently me saying, I'm not trying to give you a hard time. I just want to know what your workflow is was too much for the guy behind me in line to handle because then he interjected himself into the conversation, not directly to me, but to her as if he was the hero of the story. Yeah. He was like, "Uh." Oh, I was (laughs) trying to get him in the shot. It didn't work out. (laughs) I'm listening. So the guy behind me goes, hey, come on, it's Sunday. Everybody just needs to chill the fuck out. Come on. Nobody needs to be upset. It's fucking Sunday. What's the big deal? And I'm like three feet away and I'm ready to fucking murder this guy. Like, don't get in my face because you need to be a hero to the girl behind the counter when what's happening right now is fucking Twilight Zone crazy. Uh, I didn't say anything. I just walked away, but I was like, let me see how long it actually does take. So I'm looking at my watch and it did it or not my watch, my clock, my, I carry a clock. I had a clock. It was a grandfather clock. I was looking at my grandfather. My grandfather was carrying my grandfather clock. Anyway, what was he doing there? I don't know, but I just wanted, and it did, it took eight minutes for me to get just a cup of coffee. And it's because of the online ordering. And that is ruining the interface experience of going in. Like, I just don't want to do it anymore. And of course, the problem is I was standing there and I was like, I would much rather go somewhere else. But how the fuck am I going to find another coffee shop when I'm in, you know, Dust Bowl, California between... LA and, and Southern orange County, except, you know, Starbucks is easy to find. And so is that just the future is waiting way too long just to get one cup of coffee. It makes no sense to me. And I know there are worse things happening in the world. I was on Franklin Avenue today, stuck in traffic. And I was like, this is crazy. Why is this traffic like this? Meanwhile, I'm listening to the New York Times podcast, The Daily, which today is about Rikers Island, the prisoner, the, sorry, the prison in New York, which apparently is completely controlled by gangs at this point. Like the guards have no control over anything. So people are just being forced to fight gladiator style against each other. And people aren't allowed yeah. to use toilets and everybody gets their shit stolen and people just get stomped down all the time by the various gangs. So I'm sitting there going, this traffic, there's worse things in the world. I could be in a different situation. It would be way worse. So I understand that Starbucks, you know, taking 10 or 15 minutes to get a cup cup of coffee is not the worst thing in the world, but it just seems like it makes no sense at this point that that's the direction things are going. And somebody told me that now there are kiosks in New York where there's not even any place to order. You just have to use the app and order your Starbucks before you go. And then it's ready when you get there. So there's no, they're just getting rid of workers. Basically they're not, you know, it's all about corporations 
saving money. So yes, it's a tiny thing, but on the other hand, it is also maximizing profits at the expense of people having a decent experience. There's a a local bagel shop in my neighborhood. That's really good. It is really, truly good. Um, Is this your parting shot? Sure. Why not? (laughs) I got to go. I've been staring at a computer all day long. I'm actually starting to panic a little bit. (laughs) Um, But, uh, it's really good, but I I think it was a COVID thing originally where you have to order online. Like mm-hmm. even if you go in person, they will say like, did you place the order ahead of time? And it's really, really good. I I I haven't been in a while, but there's always as soon as it opens at, you know, 7 a.m. and then there's a line down the block. Mm-hmm. And um it always boggles my mind because you place an order ahead of like I often the last time I did it, I placed an order online from home. So in theory, I should just walk up and pick up my stuff, but you still have to wait in that long line to right. get to the front to say, like, hey, I'm ready. I know my stuff is ready. I like got a little boop, 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 my stuff is ready. But every time without and I and I'm fine with it now. Like I know that that's what it is. So mm-hmm. like that's part of it. I'm not going starving. It's it's that is part of the process, but um, there is always one, two, five people who are just standing in line, and they and they've been in line for a very long time. And there's big signs that say like you have to order ahead. And they get up to the front, and they're like, "So what kind of bagels do you have?" And it's like I want to throw you in a fire. Like how? I'm how is you. this yeah. happening? <laughs> like. <laughs> I am so with you. Because like, there's like QR codes. You could look up the whole menu. Like they yep. make it as simple as possible. Yeah. And it's just like, you're the reason there's this long line. Right, right. Because <laughs> like as soon as I said my name, they handed me a bag. It was one second. It's like those dummies slowing down the line. Right. It's like, and you know, same thing happens at, at a Starbucks where people go like, now that drink <laughs> Do you put what's in that? I mean, is that, and I'm like, who the fuck doesn't know? Come on. You came in here for something, right? Motherfucker. We, we, I, um, Jeff and I still talk about it because it was mind boggling. And I, and I'm like, were they being funny? But we went to like a, like a crab boil type place, like a place where you get a bunch of seafood and with like chunks of potato and corn, like kind of dumped out and it it's all in that like cajun sauce mm-hmm. um and the people next to us were like it sounded like they were martians like they were like now how big is a lobster <laughs> and how many calories are in a lobster like it was just like get the lobster or don't get the lobster like don't make this poor waiter answer every trivia question about lobsters like it was wild you came at you. This is a seafood restaurant. Like, I don't know. Does the lobster have vacation days? <laughs> oh, and the other one that we always talk about. Always, always, always. And it, it, there's no connection except it's a overhearing people at restaurant story. But we went to some like fried chicken restaurant and there was clear. And Kentucky I think fried I, chicken? it was Dinah's. Oh. Um, and I, I may have even told the story in the podcast before i don't i truly don't care um and there was like a dad <laughs> with, with 
thought you were going to say, I don't remember, but you're like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> um, there was a dad with like two very small children. And I got the vibe, um, no judgment, but I got the vibe that this dad doesn't spend a lot of time with these two small children alone. Mm-hmm. And so it, again, it's like a, a fried chicken restaurant. So there's a lot of sides. And maybe I'm the bad person, but I would have been like, here's your chicken fingers and here's your French fries. You're three years old. But he went through the menu and read every single side to them to the point where he was like, do you want regular fries or seasoned fries? And what's the, <laughs> what, what I say, I, Jeff and I say this to each other all the time when we're like getting two in the weeds is the little kid just goes, what seasoning? And I'm like, yeah, we're, <laughs> you're not. We're in too deep, buddy. Get <laughs> French fries. Like, they don't know what you're talking about. And it's too long. You're giving the them too many. The father who's just trying to prove how much he loves his kids, and he's failing miserably. <laughs> what seasoning? <laughs> like, like, they were going to be there all day long just picking food that they didn't oh, know what he was talking wait, about. Wait, what salt? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where does it come from? Uh, all right. Well, one thing we did not talk about, and we'll have to wait till next week to get into this, is the one of the new parts of our podcast is that it's a murder podcast. So we have not talked at all about the Murdoch murders this week. Uh, I did get a tip from one of my sources. That's what they always say on on murder podcasts. Is they go, I got a tip from one of my sources. So I did get a tip from one of my sources that. The news organization, Fitz News, and I have not looked into this tip, but I believe that it's probably accurate. Fitz News, which is the the news organization that Mandy Madney, I'm Team Mandy. Mm-hmm. Mandy Madney works for Fitz News. The tip I got from one of my sources, and I have several sources, but this particular source gave me a tip that Fitz News is not just a small town like news. Oh, it's local news organization no no no. not that it's big but that it is it has an agenda in other words that maybe it's like a libertarian uh conservative you know anti-government regulation kind of news organization so it was not set up just to be into this murdoch stuff it was set up to promote libertarian free market you know, uh, Ayn Rand ideals or whatever, but this is what they kind of stumbled into. So I'm going to investigate that and find out more about that. Because if they're, if they're libertarian, that means they're in the, the Rand Paul camp, which makes me think that it's time to really start ripping them as well. Um, (laughs) so we'll see, we'll see, uh, folks, this has been 27 dress with Sean and Amber. Uh, we'll see you next week. We're going to be discussing. Um, <laughs> fuck. I wish I could. Uh, the tuxedo with Sandra Bullock and Jackie Chan. <laughs> <That's fun. laughs> uh, see you next time.
Did you listen to the sound?